Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Genesis. Realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, What if Joseph still bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong we have did to him? So they approached Joseph, saying, Your father gave us this instruction before he died. Say to Joseph, I beg you, forgive the crime of your brothers and the wrong they did in harming you. Now, therefore, please forgive the crime of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also wept, fell down before him, and said, In the place of God, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good, in order to preserve a numerous people, as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he reassured them speaking kindly to them. The word of the Lord. Please stand as you are able and join in singing our gospel acclamation. Gospel reading from the 18th chapter of Matthew. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he would not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him by the throat. He said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what he had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then the Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger the Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. 
You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. Jesus talked a lot. I mean, it's great. I'm not complaining. I love that he shared so much. But sometimes when the writers of the gospel tried to capture his, les- his teaching into a lesson, the story would get really, really long. And so as those who were the keepers of the lessons sat around making decisions about what readings we would hear on a Sunday morning, they decided, well, we should probably take some breaks every once in a while because, honestly, these readings would just be too long for people to take all in one sitting. Today is one of those days. Because on its own, Peter's question of, Lord, if a neighbor sins against me, how often should I forgive? It feels like it could be a standalone lesson. And as it's presented to us today, it is. But it's not. It's a follow-up question from last week. From last week, we heard about the Matthew 18 process of reconciliation. What do you do when someone sins against you? What do you do when someone has done you wrong? Well, first you go talk to them, and if they don't listen, you bring in somebody else, and you keep bringing in some neutral parties to be able to help weigh in, and eventually that reconciliation process hopefully gets to that point where you understand each other, and you've forgiven each other, and you've been able to move on. Now, sometimes that process works really well, just as it's been intended. However, Peter today has one of those questions on his mind saying, well, you know what, Jesus, I really appreciate what you just taught us, but what do we do if I go to that person who just had that conflict with me, and we resolve it, and we reconcile it? Hooray! But then like three days later, they do the exact same thing. And then we resolve it, and we fix it, and we move on, and it's great. Hooray! But then three days later, they do the same thing, And we talk about it, and we resolve it, and we move on. Hooray. You see where I'm going with this? Like, how many times should I have to, like, keep saying I'm sorry or asking for forgiveness? Like, and then Peter throws out, like, a number. He's like, what about seven? That feels like a lot, Jesus. Should I do that seven times and then be like, okay, good, now you can just kind of let that person go? Peter's probably like, this seems reasonable. And Jesus is like, I need you to think a little bit bigger. I need you to think like 77 times or 7 times 77. Even the people who wrote this down couldn't quite figure out what he was trying to say. They just knew he was trying to say a really big number. Jesus wants us to think of that number of how many times we should forgive someone as like infinity. You would just keep doing it over and over and over again. And so what's his point? Well, Jesus knows that forgiveness is more than just absolving the sins of another person. Forgiveness is really about purging a grudge that we have, something that weighs down on our own heart. Forgiveness, not forgetting. I mean, we we don't forget. We do maybe modify our behaviors and how we interact with that person. But forgiveness, true, genuine forgiveness, isn't just about me forgiving you. It's about me not dwelling on my anger, my resentment. 
and being able to move and turn it to God and have a, a clean heart. Even in the story of Joseph, which Larry touched on, think about the actions of Joseph's brothers, how they have done something to him. And it's a sin that has now affected Joseph's entire life, the entire trajectory of Joseph, but also Israel. He was left for dead by his jealous brothers, and then they decided to sell him into slavery so that they could profit off of the tortured future that he would have. Can we blame Joseph if forgiveness isn't the easiest decision to make? I bet he spent his entire life thinking about how he would respond when he saw his brothers again. Why is forgiveness such an important theme throughout the Bible? Why do we talk about it so much? Why does Peter ask how often he should do it? It's because forgiveness is complicated because people are complicated, aren't we? I've been asked a lot about how my summer went. How was it, Pastor John? What was it like in the beautiful summer weather of Columbia, South Carolina? It was hot. A lot of physical challenges. A lot of academic challenges. Being able to understand how to do things the Army way, the way that they would expect it. There's a sense of having to be perfect. And while the physical and academic challenges were, were very real, oftentimes it was the mental stress that was the hardest part. The psychological mind games were a big challenge. And there were different teachers who had different techniques. One teacher had, had two sides. And by the end of the summer, we at least understood that he was self-aware enough to realize he wasn't self-aware. It was kind of a weird thing, but it was cool that we at least knew that he knew what he was doing, even if he wasn't doing it on purpose. Just hear me out. The thing about this guy, and I loved him. I mean, he was a great mentor for me, and I learned so much from him. He would, he would pull out dad jokes, and you know how I feel about those. And so he had this ability to be very charming and very uh, friendly. He would share a lot of wisdom. We were all better chaplains because of what we learned from him. But he also had a nasty streak. He spent an entire devotion time where, he, where his devotion was, what are you doing here, chaplain? When he would be disappointed, it could be one person or the entire class that he was disappointed with. But he would just keep saying, be better. Be better, chaplains. There was one moment towards the end of the summer where he stood in front of us and he declared, there are two of you that I wouldn't pass. We all knew who one of them was. <laughs> Wait, who's the other one? <laughs> Is it me? Is it you? The mind games were real. We didn't always know where we stood with him. We didn't know if he was happy or sad because he didn't show expressions. But we had another teacher. Anytime he was in front of our classroom, there was like this collective like breath. We're like, oh, good, he's here today. Every time he would teach, at the very end of the day, 
he would say this. You matter. You are enough. And if you ever, ever need something, you have my phone number, and I'll be there for you. Which one of those two approaches do you think I liked better? (laughs) Now, the hard truths were important. But it was mentally exhausting to always question if I was doing something wrong. It was uplifting for me to hear words that I mattered, that I was enough, because it reassured me why I was called into this in the first place. Because that question of, what are you doing here, chaplain, was, I'm here to make sure that other people know that they are enough, that they matter. That's why forgiveness is so important. It's not just the words, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. It's actually about what's on our heart. It's why our actions of showing forgiveness are so important, to be absolved, but then to actually live it out. It's why that really kind of scary story about the servant who's forgiven all of his debts, then turns around and he's a tyrant to, his, to those who owe him. It shows us that we have blind spots, that we fail to recognize how to treat others even after we've received grace or mercy. Jesus uses this parable as a warning. Don't take God's forgive, forgiveness for granted and then just turn around and spin on your neighbor with hate or anger or revenge. Because for Jesus, forgiveness is beyond what we can comprehend. Because we're forgiven on the cross. What a humbling thought. Jesus says, I don't care if you've sinned seven times, 77 times, seven million times. I give my life for you. No matter how we rationalize it, no matter how we doubt it, Jesus does this for you and for me. We've been forgiven. So forgive others. Forgive ourselves. And believe in that transformational power that forgiveness can have on all of us. Amen. 